You know, Galatians chapter 5 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is peace, joy, love, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. How amazing would it be the next time that somebody pushed our buttons, that the fruit of our life was peace, joy, love, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. How awesome would that be? Would that be amazing? How many of us would get excited about that? We've been in a series over the last few weeks uh, called Triggers, and we've been talking about how sometimes people, money, and stress can set us off. But today I want to wrap this series up by talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our life because we need the Spirit to trigger something in us to reflect the nature of God. And God has given us a great gift in the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the least understood of the three personalities of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Most people get who God is. Some people get who Jesus is. Fewer get who the Holy Spirit is. But the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary in order to live the Christian life. You can't live out the plans and purposes of God in your life if you don't have the power of the Spirit. So today we want to wrap this whole thing up by talking about spirit triggers. When my flesh is about to be triggered, I need the Spirit to be triggered. Let's look together at these verses and these these concepts today. We've been many times, we look for trivial solutions to significant problems. Um, If you have some, some habits that you want to change, you may need some new friends. Or if you're angry, you may need to talk to a counselor. Or if you want to be more joyful, maybe you should smile more. And all those things are good. And we probably should do all of those. But what I'm talking to you about today is something that is far more significant. Something that is deeper in your heart. Something that is more profound in your life. And, and that's getting a new heart and, and a new mind and a new perspective, and a new power source that comes from the Holy Spirit. I want us to see three aspects of the Holy Spirit, because real change comes from Him. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Apostle Paul wrote this, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, and God and God raised Jesus from the dead, and He will give, give your life, give your mortal bodies... By the same Spirit living within you. In other words, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. Now, I don't know about you, but that gets me pretty excited to think about today. Amen? I mean, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That's amazing. I mean, any Spirit that could raise Jesus from the grave, that's profound. That's whoa. And it doesn't say there's like the mini-me version of the Holy Spirit in you. The diluted, watered-down version of the Spirit. It's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. And and that means that we have spiritual power and, and, and a spiritual dynamic about our life that is probably more profound than we thought that it was. So how do we begin to operate in that? The Scriptures tell us, first of all, we have to be born by the Spirit got to be born by the Spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, I tell you, 
Unless someone is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, what does Jesus mean by water and spirit? Water is a reference to physical birth. I have been told that the water breaks before birth. Amen? Is that right? So water represents a physical, a physical birth. But just like we're born physically, we have to be born of the spirit. We got to be born spiritually. You got to have a spiritual birth. Maybe today you've never had a spiritual birth. And if you want to have God's great power source in your life, you have to be born by the spirit. And that happens the moment that we call on the name of Jesus Christ. When we invite Christ into our life, we receive the power of of the Holy Spirit. Now, we have to learn to walk in that. We have to learn to access that. We have to grow in that. That's all true, but that's what the Bible calls really being born again. I mean, you're born physically and you're born spiritually. And and when you're born, it's amazing because you begin to take on the nature of your parents. I was looking at Facebook yesterday, and one of my friends I hadn't seen in a really long time, his daughter's like a teenager. And she looked just like her mom. It was amazing. If I, had not, if I had not paused on the picture, I would have thought he was just with his wife. But it was his daughter. Because kids look like their parents. Amen? Yeah. Some of us thought, well, that's kind of unfortunate. You know, it is. <laughs> it is. The same is true Spiritually. Listen, when you're born by the Spirit of God, you begin to take on the nature of God. You begin to look like your heavenly Father. So we need this great power source, and it begins by being born born of the Spirit. And if Ezekiel, the prophet, uh, spoke of this in Ezekiel 36, 26, he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, and I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to get I'm going to get rid of that old heart that was hard and calloused and and I want to instead give you a a heart of flesh, one that is soft, one that is moldable, one that is yielded, one that is is sensitive to the leaderships and the dictations of the spirit of God. And we're baptized by the water and we're also baptized by the spirit. And when that happens, guess what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control begin to be a part of our existence. Now, George Barna is a Christian pollster, and he said a few years ago that he thought, based on a study that he did, that about 80% of all Christians are not really even sure who the Holy Spirit is. And if you're not sure who the Holy Spirit is, it's kind of hard to think that he could control your life. Amen? So we need to know who the Spirit is so we can have spiritual results and spiritual transformation and spiritual impact in our own heart, in our own existence, this great power source. So what's the second step? Well, we got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. we got to be born by the Spirit. we got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with with the Spirit. Now, I don't want anybody to give a testimony, but, but would we all agree that when people have had too much to drink, they say and do things that are not normal? Amen? That's probably true. Yes. All right. 
People have slurred speech. People want to fight. People get crazy. I mean, you know, it's something else, you know. Uh, I was getting some dental work done a few years ago, and they, they put me on something. I don't know what that was, and I was saying all kinds of things. I mean, it's crazy what you will do under the influence. It's amazing. It really is. But the Apostle Paul compares our spiritual life to a person who is drinking. And when we drink of the water, the living water, the water of the Spirit, guess what? We begin to do and to say things that we would not do normally. I mean, under normal circumstances, you would never have peace, but you have peace. And under normal circumstances, you would smack that person. But you have grace and you have joy because the Spirit is at work in your life. And you're drinking of the Spirit. I love this word to be filled with the Spirit because there's four things that this word in the language of the New Testament illustrates to us that are so powerful. And first of all, this is a plural verb, which means that it is comprehensive. It's all of us. All of us. It's really like saying you all must be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every follower of Christ is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's comprehensive. It's, 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 it's everybody. But it's also an imperative, which means it's a command. And an imperative means that like when you yell at your kids, you know, get up and get ready for school. Do your homework. Go to bed. That's an imperative. The voice that's being used here, Paul is saying, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not like an option. You know, you don't have to be a Navy SEAL Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's for all of us. We all need it. If we want spiritual results, we got to have spirit intake. And notice it also is continual because it's in the present tense which means that we have to on a regular basis drink of the Holy Spirit we have to yield to the Holy Spirit it's not like you got filled with the Holy Spirit one day and you're good for a lifetime wouldn't that be great you, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a continual basis it's just like the the alcoholic who has to keep drinking we're utterly dependent upon the power of the Spirit every day We're yielding our life to God so we can be filled with the Spirit. So it's a a continual thing. It's continual. Not just on Sundays. We ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit Monday through Friday, Saturday, Sunday, morning, evening, all of the time. And then it's in the passive voice, which means that God does the filling. So we don't fill ourselves. The filling of the Spirit comes from God. Now, we yield to the Spirit, but, but God is the one that fills us up. God's the one. So kind of to help us understand this, I need a volunteer today. I need a volunteer. Candace, come on up here to help me out with this. Go give it up for Candace. Come on, give it up. Candace, come on up here. Come on up here. Candace is a respiratory therapist, so she knows a lot about lungs. Candace. Balloons are made to rise. I want you to inflate this balloon, and I want to see it rise to the ceiling. Can you do that? (laughs) 
it's it's hard it's hard when you're on stage. <laughs> Good job there. I was starting to make you laugh, but I didn't want to make you, I didn't want to mess you up. Yeah, the tying of it is always hardest. Okay, here we go. So we got this balloon. Okay, so Candace, we're on three. I'm going to drop this balloon, and and if if you have really good lung pressure, the balloon is going to go to the ceiling. Okay, are you guys ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Oh man, darn. All right, I think you guys didn't cheer the balloon on enough, okay? Can you guys put your hands together? Come on, let's get some applause today. Here we go. One, two, three. Rise, balloon. You know, Candace, I wonder if something else filled the balloon besides yourself, if there could be a big difference. Why don't you come over here and try the church helium tank? Let's see what you got over here. Yes, yes, right here. Here we go. See if you can fill that thing up. You've got to be really sophisticated to use that. There you go. Awesome job. Let's see if you can tie it off. Nels, come over here and put a string on this thing for us, buddy. job don't, don't did you don't break a nail whatever you do you have to go to the salon after church we don't want that to happen okay let's tie a string on this thing good job good job okay now we have something totally different right here we have a balloon that has been inflated by someone else and watch what it does Is that amazing? It just begins to ascend all the way up. It's incredible. You see, a lot of times what we do is we think that if we blow harder, if we blow harder, we'll have more spiritual fruit. But all the while, God wants us to allow him to inflate our life so we can go to the levels that he's called us to go to. Do you believe that today? The Spirit can do what you cannot. The Spirit can, in, can put things in us. You may not even recognize yourself. Man, you, the Holy Spirit starts filling your heart up and you're like, man, I don't even know who I used to be. I don't even recognize Him anymore. You look in the mirror, you're like, I, man, the old person's passed away. All things have become new. I've been empowered by the Spirit of God. i I got to be filled with the Spirit. So the question is, well, then how, how can I experience the filling of the Spirit? Well, we got to yield to his, his leadership. <clears throat> we got to confess our sin. Guess what? When we, put, when we confess our sin, we, 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 we put helium into our life. Uh, when we meditate on Scripture, we put helium into our life. When we pray, when we serve others, when we worship, we put helium in our life. And unfortunately... We many times allow that helium to seep out when we yield to sin. Now, um, 
A few years ago, Gina came home from the doctor and she said, Ryan, the doctor has told me I need to do a 21-day detox and you're going to do it with me. I was like, 21 days. Guys, that's a long time. That's three weeks. No caffeine, no sugar, no bread, no, anything that's good to eat, you can't eat it, okay? It's banished. It's like vegetables and fruit, basically. And then you got to eat a little organic turkey like on day 17 or something like that. I'm like, I'm going to die. So I did this. I did this because I was told to do it. And, and you know what was incredible is I started to eat all of these vegetables like that people have never heard of before, like eggplant, you know? I mean, before I would eat a little broccoli and some salad and stuff like that, but I started eating all these exotic vegetables. And, and you know what's incredible is my appetites begin to change, you know? Um, I'll never forget going out to eat with somebody from the church while I was on the detox, and the, the waiter said, well, what do you want to eat to the person I was with? And they said, I'll have chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes. And then they ordered peach cobbler on the side. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then they were like, what do you want? I'm like, I'll have a fruit cup and a cup of water. Total torture. But after doing this, and I only made it, I think, 17 days. I didn't get to 21. I started to have some new cravings. And all of a sudden, some of the things that I used to eat that really weren't that good for me anyway... They just weren't, they didn't taste as good. But then some of the new things that I started to eat, I really began to crave. And I eat celery every day. I'm like a celery maniac. It all happened on the detox. You know what? When the Holy Spirit gets in your life, you begin to crave some things that you never craved before. And you begin to let some things go that used to be so enticing. Because the Spirit is, is there doing some work. He's doing that great work for us. And we've got to permit Him to do it, though. You know, um, you don't have to persuade God to fill you, but you do have to permit Him to fill you. Ephesians 4.30 says it like this, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed into the day of redemption. Put away all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. So sin prevents us from being filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what begins to happen. When we have sin in our life that we don't make right with God, it begins to let a little helium out. In other words, we can't have the altitude that we had before. So we're struggling in this area of our life, and God's convicting us of it, and the helium just begins to, to, to diminish. And then we have another leak, you know? And, and if we don't go and make that right with God and with others, then pretty soon what will happen is the balloon will be flat. And so many Christians today are trying to live this kind of life with this kind of existence. And we wonder, why are we so disappointed and frustrated? we got to allow God to fill us up. So we got to get back into his word. we got to begin to practice confession of our sin. We, we, we've got to get into worship. we got to commit ourselves to the things of God because ultimately that's the thing that fills us up. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Here's the last thing today. We've got to walk in the Spirit. We've got to walk in the Spirit. Now, when the Bible speaks of walk, it is a metaphor for practical daily living. And the Christian life is a journey, and we are to go on that journey with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5.16, but I say walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So there's two kinds of walks. There's a flesh walk, which is like that. And there's a spirit walk that's like this. And every day we make a choice which path, which walk are we going to be on. And unfortunately, we can't walk in the flesh and in the spirit. We have to make that decision. Am I going to go God's way? Am I going to do what God's saying for me to do? Or am I going to go my own way and do my own thing? I got my own ideas, you know. Sometimes we say, oh, God, I have my own ideas, and I want you to bless it. But it just doesn't work that way, does it? we got to get in step with the Spirit. When I think about getting in step with the Spirit, I think about God's divine cadence. There's a rhythm. There's a walk. There's a pace in which God has called us to go. I think one of the great paces in our culture is dancing. Would you agree? You have to have the right cadence. You have to have the right rhythm to be able to dance. Amen? I have never been a dancer. In fact, when I was in about the fourth or fifth grade, they were having break dancing lessons at the rec center one summer. And I begged my mom to let me go. And when I walked in, there were these teenagers that were spinning on their heads. They were back spinning. They were doing the worm. I have never seen such, it was incredible. And I thought by taking a few of these lessons that I was going to be doing likewise. Let me tell you, the problem is if you ever are the kid that signs up for breakdancing lessons, that's a good indication that you will never be a breakdancer. Just didn't work for me. And I was trying to get kind of in step and in rhythm. It was, it was kind of painful, actually. It was kind of embarrassing. I remember after about three lessons, I was like, I'm going to leave here with a broken arm and a sling or something like that. I'm going to hurt myself, you know. Maybe you felt that way, too. Getting in step with the Spirit, though, is really trying to find God's divine rhythms for your life. The God's divine rhythms. Now, the flesh... Galatians chapter 5 tells us there's flesh and there's spirit. Flesh is a bent towards ourself. It's our own way. And it exalts ourself over Jesus and others. It's living independent of God. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just that you'll go to heaven when you'll die. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that the life of Jesus would live in you. It's not just like, You know, I pray this prayer, and I go to heaven one day, and it's going to be awesome. But between now and then, there's nothing. No. It is the life of Jesus living in and through you, and that happens by the power of the Spirit. So we we walk in rhythm with the Spirit. We try to follow what He's asking us to do. When we fall short, we say, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But works of the flesh are habit-forming, and many people have lived by their flesh for so long that it's really hard to make the change. We've just kind of done our own thing for all these years, and now God's asking me to change. 
But you know what? It is possible. Too many people discount the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't do it. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than you think that he is. In fact, if you read in Galatians chapter 5, the Spirit is more powerful than the flesh. So we know flesh is powerful, amen? Do I have to convince you of that? I mean, most people would be like, yes. I mean, if you ever just really wanted to say something or really smack somebody, I mean, that's flesh, right? And it was strong. It was, a, you, there was, it was undeniable. You were overcome with it. The Spirit is even more powerful than the flesh. So let's let Spirit dictate the choices and the decisions that we make. Because we underestimate Him too much. The law tells us what to do. The Spirit shows us how to do it. In Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. Now, how does that work? Well, in every part of our life. What about our emotional life? Our emotional life. We need the Holy Spirit. Um, what about when it comes to anger? Anger is bitterness that has been fermented. People wonder, why am I so bitter? Well, Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So it's normal to, to feel angry sometimes, but when we don't resolve that anger, we don't let it go, then it ferments in our spirit and it brings bitterness and, and, and it grieves the spirit. It limits what God can do in our life by the power of a spirit because we're, we're overcome by, by bitterness and, and, and anger. Um, our physical health. You know, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We ought to take care of our body. Uh, our financial life, um, when we practice generosity, we, we, we exercise a spiritual response. We're not just living for ourselves, we're, we're trying to help others. And that's, that's, that's a great result. In our work life, Ephesians 6, 5 says that we should obey our bosses and our leaders. Can you submit to people who are in authority over you, even if you disagree? Can you follow people's leadership that sometimes you don't like? That, that, that's an exercise of the Spirit that takes spiritual impact, spiritual maturity, spiritual empowerment, because everything in us wants to rebel and say no, and, and yet we know that we need to say yes. What about in our home life? To walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 5 says, husbands, love your wives. Love your wives as Christ loved the church in our home life. Sometimes that's a tall order, isn't it? It's challenging. It's tough. When the Holy Spirit is full and, 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 and His dictates are guiding our life, these are, the ways that, these are the ways that it's expressed in the home. And if you have the Holy Spirit... You'll be empowered to do these things. We do have to develop these things. They grow over time. We, we don't just wake up one morning and we're just like, you know, buzzing with the Spirit, you know, floating off of the ground, that kind of thing. The more you walk with Jesus, the more Holy Spirit empowerment will take place in your life. And that's true. And guess what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. And self-control will be the end result of that. 
So the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So here's the question. What is holding you back? If the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you, what's holding you back? If if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, what's holding you back? If you're walking in the power of the Spirit, what's holding you back? God wants our life to climb. And he wants to take our faith and our spiritual life to a new level as we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to rise within us and to accomplish everything that God has put before us. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer?